Okay, hi, it's the 7th of Tevis, Zion Tevis, Shuatov. Um, we're up to Perik Ches, which is the last chapter before Perik Tes, which is really exciting because I've been like waiting for Perik Tes. Like every time, if you've been following along, every time that I've said, so we're learning about the animal soul, we're learning about the godly soul, and soon we're going to come to the point of engagement between both souls. That happens in Perik Tes, which is only two days away. So I'm very excited for Monday. Um, but right now we're still continuing the conversation about what is the animal soul, what is klipa in general. Like we talked about kedusha, we talked about kedusha is essentially anything that godliness shines through, anywhere that the shekhinah is able to manifest itself in. Like you look at it and you're like, oh, I see the unity of God. I see that you are a manifestation of divine breath and, and oneness. Um, klipa is everything else. But within that everything else, um, there's categories. And so that's what we'll be talking about, the different categories. Um, and yeah, this is basically how the animal soul manifests itself in the world in these, through these different categories. So we're talking about klipas noga, shalash klipas atameas. Klipas noga, thus far we've been saying, is the um, no man's land, basically. The space of energy in the world, whether it's whether it's an action-based energy, like something physical, um, or more of a spiritual energy, you know, like talking. <laughs> you know, that's what we're talking about tomorrow, the more spiritual energies of Klipasnoga. But it's essentially like up for grabs. Is it going to end up being something that is brought into a kadosh thing? Something that is brought into a space of, I can see God in this moment. I see the reflection of Hashem shining through this moment. I am now allowing this to be a reflection of Hashem. Um, which would make it Kedusha. Um, and that comes with consciousness and choice and the awareness that like this moment is not separate from Hashem, but this moment is part of the unity of Hashem. Or is that Klipas Noga moment going to end up being a Klipa moment, you know, which or Shalash Klipas Tameas moment, which is essentially something that just, a moment that says, I am separate from God. That's all Shalash Klipas Tameas is. It's I am separate from God. And in moments where we're just kind of in that no man's land of talking, eating, sleeping, hanging out, chilling, whatever it is that's, that's happening, reacting in any sort of given way, um, when that reaction is coming from a place of separateness, of I am over here and the unity of every all of, else of creation or the person that I'm talking to that I'm reactive to because she was annoying to me or the situation that I'm being in the space of fear about because it, I feel like it's going to hurt me, you know, all of those that are kind of with the intention of separateness, that there is a big bad world outside, or on the flip side, there is God outside, but I'm over here. I think, you know, God is real, but I'm sleeping. And then I'll wake up tomorrow and see God. That's in essence, it's, it's, it's Klipas Noga brought this show. I mean, I want to say that Klipas Noga because it's not actually, I don't know. That's a good question if that would be Klipas Noga. But in essence, the, the different category is, I see God reflecting through this moment, which would make it Kedusha, or I, this moment is completely separate from God, um, which would make it something Klippa. And then Shalash Klippa Sitmeos is stuff that are so Klippa that Hashem says, basically, I, 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 from what I'm understanding, and I, I'm sorry that this is the voice, that this is the recording for today, but from what I'm understanding, because it's so, it's so much in and out of, all, of what Al Torb is saying, um, and I'm to my best to understand it, from my understanding, there's kind of two levels of Shalash Klippas There's the Shalash Klippas of what Hashem says. That is something that is will always be Shalash Klippas Like a pig, like an Avera, like something that literally 
it can never be rectified because that is something that Hashem says, I am telling you that that is something that will never be able to reflect me until Mashiach comes, right? Until Tumah is, re- is removed from the world, until that entire energy is taken away, Hashem is literally saying, that will never reflect me. But then in moments where it's something Klipas Noga, that is not with the intention of God, um, and maybe even with an intention of I think that when there's maybe no intention, that's when it stays Klipas Noga, I guess. But when there's actually the intention of impurity, but impurity being translated as intense separateness, like like animalistic lust, basically. <laughs> I, this is the only way I can translate it, but it's really like consciousness of separateness from God. Like not only is my just like not thinking either way, I'm actually reacting from a place of, I feel passionately that God is somewhere else other than this moment. Then that energy of that moment becomes a shalash klipasatimeus moment. And the rectification that's needed there is different than if it was just non-conscious at all. So when a non-conscious moment, which would be klipas noga, is put into, there's two options of where the consciousness could go to. And one is kadusha, one is shalash klipasatimeus. So I don't know if that made any sense, but it makes sense to me um, to an extent. <laughs> Um, but let's let's just start with with part class. Let's read it inside. Author definitely gives more clarification in the words. So I'm gonna go with this. Okay. Right now, the author was gonna talk about doing something that is shalash klipas So let's say you're eating something not kosher um, with the best intentions. It's actually recently happened to me. I was at Starbucks and I got a drink <laughs> with my oat milk americano with oat milk, and I'm drinking it, and then suddenly I see this woman like staring at me and staring at my cup of coffee and i'm like what is happening but she was just like staring and so like her stare made me look at my coffee and i realized that she was first of all a malach so maybe she's listening to this right now (laughs) the woman from atlanta airport (laughs) maybe she's listening to this anyways her stare at me thank you so much for staring at me um god bless you with long healthy happy years made me look up my coffee and i realized that i had taken somebody else's drink they had called out the name shauna so i figured it was mine um and turns out it was regular milk and it was so intense it was such an intense experience for me because i passionately keep call of Yisrael and i have no intention of not keeping call of Yisrael. but that's exactly what the author was talking about what i had only the best intentions and not only that my plan like not the author says here even if your plan is to use that energy and you do use that energy for the service of Hashem, you're literally in a consciousness of connectedness. But the thing that you're doing is from the category of Shalashkibus So what happens then? What happens with that category of energy? Okay. Um, now we're going to talk about the things that are f- um, forbidden foods. They're called Isser. Why are they called forbidden? Isser, right, is bound. What are they bound to? Why is it called Isser? They're called Isser because they're bound to the Klippa, to the Shalash Klippa, to the, to con- that food, not kosher food, is bound with consciousness of separation. That It's bound with it. It's it's never being released from jail until Mashiach comes. Even if it was without intention, you literally made a mistake. And even if it was for the sake of heaven, like you're like, Hashem, I'm making a brach on this. I'm drinking this because I'm connected with you. To serve Hashem with energy derived from it. I want to be a happier person when I go to visit my brother right now. So I'm going to get this coffee, right? That was my intention. 
And that person then goes and studies and davens and lives a life of connection with Hashem based on the, from the energy that he got from that food. Still, the vitality and energy within that forbidden food um, does not become clothed in the Torah or in the davening or in the connectedness that I experience from the energy of that food. It's held captive. It's isur. It's isura It's held captive in the unclean um, klipos in the in the energy of unclean. I just read the word unclean here, but that I don't even See, that's the thing. It doesn't. That's the that's the translation of where we get so convinced by the translations. <laughs> We grow up in these translations, unclean. Un- what does that mean, unclean? It's not like it's like dirty, unclean, all these things. It's literally just reflecting separation. Hashem is saying about those things, those things do not reflect me. So it's not about it being, it's like people say like, oh, so guyish, or so, I'm so dirty now, or I'm so tomadic now, like when they do something wrong. It's like, what are you saying about yourself? Like, these terms don't reflect what's actually happening. All that's actually happening is it's either reflection of Hashem or not reflection of Hashem. And it's like, don't you want to be in reflection of Hashem? <laughs> you know, it's kind of, it's not so complicated. And it's not dirty or clean. It's just, it's just reflective of the unity or not reflective of the unity. You know, it's two, two states of consciousness. Okay, anyways, This is also as if it's a rabbinic prohibition. Belachain, whose words are even more strict than Tara, like what the rabbis say matter. Belachain, Gamhitzer, Hara, Vekayachamitz, Ave, Ledvarim, Asurim. This is so cool. I love this part. Also, therefore, the Yitzer Hara, Belachain, Gamhitzer, Hara, Vekayachamitz, Ave, Ledvarim, Asurim. The Yitzer Hara that desires things that are forbidden. What what is what kind of Yitzer Hara is this? If you have a yitzhar for not kosher food, this yitzhar is actually coming from something called shade mishaden nuchra'in. It's a demon, it's a force inside of you that is considered a not Jewish force. Why is it considered a not Jewish force? What is a not Jewish force? Shehu yitzhar shal umasa'ilam shaf shesehen mishal shkibbetatameas. It's the yitzhar of the nations whose souls are from the shal shkibbetatameas. Okay, I'm going to explain this after. I'm so excited. This was so cool to me. On the contrary, if you're having a craving for something that is allowed, but it's coming from a place of craving, it's coming from a place of separation, meaning the thing itself is allowed. You're craving kosher food, but it's coming from a place of it's coming from a, from a state of separation of I'm craving it from a place of separateness from Hashem instead of my body is a vehicle of the unity and I'm so excited to eat because Hashem is one. <laughs> but if it's coming from this place of impulsive animalistic separation, it's a Jewish demon. Because, because the Jewish demons... Are, what, what's the difference between a Jewish demon and a not Jewish? First of all, what is a demon? A demon, in essence, is this energy that's created that has a pull that pulls you in one direction or another. I want you to do this, and it actually creates this like force inside of you. It's a yetzer. 
That's what it is. It's a, it's the force inside of you pulling you in a certain direction, specifically in a negative direction, right? In a direction from Hashem instead of towards Hashem. Not Jewish demons. They so are so engrossed. They're they're to such an extent that they they're so filled with the consciousness of separation from Hashem that they don't even care to ever be close to Hashem. So they're gonna pull you after things that actually can never be elevated, like not kosher food. They're gonna say, eat that not kosher food or do that completely immoral act because it knows that the energy within that stuff will never be elevated and it doesn't care because its essence is something that is separate from Hashem anyway. So they're like, let's just stay separate. But a Jewish demon, the Yetzirah of a Jew, essentially wants things that can eventually be elevated. It still is pulling you in the direction of separation because that's what it is. We're talking about Yetzirah here. But it's going to pull you towards things that are kosher, but with the, with an impulsive drive towards those things. Why? Because the Jewish Yetzirah doesn't actually want to be separate from Hashem. So the Yetzirah of a Jew, the Jewish Yetzirah, will say, go do the thing that's kosher, go do the thing that's allowed, but do it in a way that fills you with a consciousness of separation from Hashem. That way you're doing, aka the wrong thing, you're feeling the separation from Hashem, which is what it's what it's, which is what its goal is, but it doesn't want you to, but it only wants you to do things that eventually can be elevated because it really only ever wants to be close to Hashem. So it's pretty funny. <laughs> I thought it was very interesting. Like, and obviously we all have inside of us these shades in Nukhra'in, it's called the not Jewish demons too. Some of us more than others. You know what I mean? That's, that's Hashem's business. Who has those, I think. And I guess we, we grow them sometimes the more that we indulge in those things. But it's just cool to know, like the nature of a Jew is to lust after things that are kosher because the lust is what causes the separation and what causes it to be in that state of, of klipa inside of me. But it, the Jewish demon, the Jewish Yetzirah lusts after things that are kosher because it knows that eventually it will be able to have its redemption. It will be able to have its cleansing and its um, teshuva and then it's going to be brought back into closeness with Hashem. Whereas the other thing, the thing that are the things that are absolutely inherently not kosher, that Hashem says, do not engage with those things, the Shalash Kibbutz Atimeis, those will not end up being elevated. And they, they do shade to her, it's like, no, I never want to have something that, I never want you to be part of something that can never come back to Hashem, because the Jewish shade to her always wants to be part with one with Hashem. Okay, interesting. So what about the thing that, the kosher thing that is done with a negative intention, what happens with that? This can be elevated. How? Until it is, the teshuva is done, it is in the state of sitra achar and klipa. And even after the teshuva is done, a, a trace of that experience, of that consciousness of separation remains attached to the person's body. Because the food becomes part of you, as the, just like the food becomes part of you, also the intention that you ate the food with becomes a part of you. So if it's coming from an uh, intention of separation, the se- consciousness of separation actually becomes a part of you. That's why it's called it's purgatory of the grave. It's something that happens afterwards to our body, a cleansing process that happens to kind of get rid of this this separation this con the consciousness of separation that is that remains in our body 
um, that we that conscious that we experience during the time of eating something kosher with from that place of impulsive separate separate consciousness. Who doesn't need this? Somebody who doesn't derive pleasure, but what does that mean, pleasure from Elam Haza? Meaning that Elam Haza is all that exists. Meaning pleasure from, like other times in Torah, it's so obvious, you need to experience pleasure. Pleasure is part of it, it's Hashem. But what this kind of pleasure is referring to, it's the kind of pleasure where Hashem is out there and I am going to be over here enjoying my life. That's this kind of pleasure that it's talking about. That Elam Haza is all there is. I'm going to be fully submerged in it because there's, and I'm not even going to think about the depth, the, the kikar velacha that we've been talking about, the fact that Hashem is actually a part of this moment. Ah, whatever, that's over there. I'm over here and I'm going to enjoy my life. That's what this is talking about, This kind, that kind of klipa. So um, tomorrow we're going to talk about the last conversation of klipa before Perak Tess, um, which is, I'm excited for. Um, uh, two things that I was thinking about, about this about what we're talking about today is first of all just the Yitzhahara of the Jew I just love it like even your Yitzhahara doesn't want to be separate from Hashem and we're going to see that again later um, in Perak Tess actually at the end of Perak Tess but just it's so like just next time you notice yourself being pulled for something just notice if inherent in that desire and I'm not saying a desire for like Klippa Avera I'm saying a desire like let's say even a desire to lash out at your mom Notice if in that desire is actually a desire to connect to your mom. <laughs> like that's what we're saying here. The inherent essence within Jews' impulse, within a Jew's impulse is connection. So or you have a desire, you're triggered by something and you're, you're afraid, you, ha- you have this consciousness, this compulsive thought that you're afraid that something good is never going to happen to you, so a very specific thing, and you want it and you're afraid it's never going to happen and you have this real playing in your head i'm scared i'm scared it's never gonna happen right that's the impulsive reaction just take a moment and take a step back and breathe in deep and just notice if within that impulsive reaction is actually desire for connection to hashem to other people to yourself to this thing that you want this thing that your soul wants like always within a jew's impulse is desire for connection first of all crazy at the altar is so freaking cool i'm obsessed okay <laughs> second of all another thing that i was thinking about is Daltarba is really categorizing the world right now. He's saying this is klipa, this is kedusha. This is this kind of klipa. This is a different kind of klipa. There's different categories in the world, and within those categories, there's different results based on those categories. Like there's actually different. There's actual differentiation within the world. But I think I said this a little bit last time too. But just the power of leaning into noticing that there isn't differentiation because the world is fragmented. There's differentiation because the world is one. Like Hashem is one and everything is one with Hashem. And from that place, we talk about the individuate the individuality of life. You know, the individual then we can say, because Hashem is one, this is Klipa. Because Hashem is one, I'm not gonna engage with this. Not that I'm gonna ignore it though. Ignoring it is to say Hashem isn't one, and this thing is too bad for me to even look at. But Hashem doesn't say that. No, Hashem talks about the the quote unquote impure things. And Hashem says, this thing does not reflect me. But because I am one and because I'm even this thing, I am able to say this thing doesn't reflect me and I'm able to say I'm not going to go near it. And Hashem is able to say, I don't want you to go near it. But 
the power that comes from when we notice really that Hashem is one, isn't that just like everything becomes one big fat chalent? It's like, no, then there's the meat and the potatoes and the beans or whatever else you put in chalent. And I'm actually then able to say, I want the beans more than the potatoes. And I want to engage with the potatoes <laughs> in a different way than I engage with the beans. Like from that place of, of, of seeing the oneness, I'm actually able to differentiate from one thing from another. And from a place of calm, and I don't really know what I did with that challenge example. That was, I don't know what, what happened there. But <laughs> I'm going to finish this recording and I'll be like, that was probably actually like cool, but I don't realize in this moment what I just did. But um, but yeah, just to have a deep breath in and just notice that it's, it's honestly, and it's the same thing, the, these two things that I just said are very interconnected with each other. The fact that everything is one means that even my trigger is part of the oneness, which means that I'm able to look at my trigger and say, what are you actually saying? And for a Jew, for somebody that's inherently a, a divine energy in this world, our triggers are always pointing us in the direction of connection to Hashem, to other people, to ourselves, to life. And because it's one, because I know, because I can use my Chachmah to say, Hashem is one, Edom Lavadeh, I can look at the things in my world at the things that look like Klippa, at the things that look like Kedusha, at all the different elements, at the triggers, at the impulse, at everything, and say, what are you here for? What do I want you to be for? What does Hashem want you to be for? What is the actual essence of what you are? I want to know the truth of you. I'm going to knock on your shell, literally knocking on Klippa's shell, until I can say, what are you actually? So, L'chaim, um, I, I'm smiling so big right now, I don't know if you can like, hear it in my voice, but this is, it's a really big deal. <laughs> And it's going to be an even bigger deal later when, when we get to Parak Tess because when we're able to see that, like everything that Altarab is saying here about Klippa, it's not just, I'm, I'm getting it in a way of Das right now, more than I even got it when I was preparing to record this, but everything Altarab is saying here about Klippa and about how Klippa in essence is part of the oneness of Hashem and that there, the way that we're talking about the category of it, the categories with it, of it, within the essence of, of the oneness, when we start talking about how the engagement between our animal soul and our godly soul happens when we can see it from this perspective that my animal soul is an animal soul. It's not just, it's not, it isn't just Kedusha. It actually is this force inside of me, but I'm able to acknowledge it as a force inside of me, not from a place of fear and not, oh my gosh, I have this big, bad thing, dark, scary, ah, Toma inside of me, ah, help. But Hashem is one. Hashem also in his oneness is giving me this thing that is part of his oneness and is animal soul. And it's engaging with this other part of me, which is my godly soul. And from that place, it's like, wow, how can we engage with each other? Because it's, there's no part of me now that I have to be afraid of. Not my animal soul, not the klipa, not the impulse, not the trigger, not the reactivity, not the anything. There's nothing that I have to be afraid of because it's all part of the oneness of Hashem. There was three chapters on Kedusha, three chapters on Klippa. Both of them are part of the oneness of Hashem. It's literally like when a baby cries and then when the baby smiles after it's fed. Not one is more good than the other. When the baby's crying because it's hungry, it's as much a part of its aliveness as when it smiles after it eats. It's not like, oh, then the baby's good and then the baby's bad. Both of those expressions of self are part of the baby's oneness. And because once you know that, you can feed the baby when it's hungry. You can, you can act accordingly. But Taltarv is just ingraining it into our heads. Like there is no part of life or of yourself that is too bad for you to look at and that is too separate from Hashem, that is separate from Hashem at all for you not to engage with. 
Sometimes engagement means ignoring. Sometimes engagement means not ignoring. Sometimes engagement means I choose not to engage with you. But I can acknowledge you and then choose to not engage with you. So to really seeing every single part of ourselves as part of the unity of Hashem. And yeah, let this conversation continue. This is very exciting. <laughs> All right. God bless you. Shavuotov.